Welcome to the SBCA Podcast Component Connection. Looking at how businesses around the country are innovating to take advantage of opportunities in the construction supply chain. Now, here's your host, Sean Shields. Well, welcome, everyone. On today's podcast brought to you by the Structural Building Components Association and LMC, we are going to talk about single-family needs. Single-family builders are facing several job site constraints, labor being chief among them. Component manufacturers can get ahead by offering additional solutions to these builders, whether they be custom, regional, or national in scope. On today's podcast, we're going to be joined by Rudy Lockhart, Chief Stick Peddler and Triangle Maker of Hayward Lumber Company servicing Southern California. Rudy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Sean. It's great to be part of what you all are doing here, and we just appreciate the industry we're in and learning from each other every day. (laughs) It's a good time to be building trusses, right? It is a good time. There's a lot of need for trusses out there. (laughs) So, Rudy, you are... Again, chief stick peddler and triangle maker. You know, I, I've spoken to probably hundreds of component manufacturers over the years, and I have to say that's a new one for me. Can you tell me what it is that you do and a little bit about what Hayward Lumber's market is like? Sure, sure. Yeah, that title I adopted here several years ago, and it came out of many years of uh, talking with good good customers and vendors. And, you know, there'd be just a courtesy, you know, hey, how you doing? What you up to? Or you know, what are you doing? And, and I, I responded often with, well, I'm just peddling sticks and, <laughs> and, uh, or making triangles, depending on what the conversation was. And, and after a while, it just, it was, it was kind of a, a way to, uh, to pull myself back down to earth as we get into the fray of, of business and strategizing and proving, you know, we can get ourselves to a place that's just beyond the grassroots of what do we do? Well, we, you know, we buy and sell sticks and we make triangles and we sell triangles. And, it's just a, a, a comment that I made. And finally, I just adopted it as my title is, you know what, that's really, that's what I do. That's the, that's the basis of it. Yeah, I like that. All right. So what's your market like? So um, Hayward Lumber Company uh, is kind of a neat, neat size company. We're over 100 years old. Hmm. And uh, our main turf is the central market of uh, California. We're on the coast between the large metropolitan markets. And uh, we have seven uh, lumber companies and one component manufacturing facility and a floor engineering system. And uh, we service our locations from that facility and some other markets as well. We're a fourth generation family owned company and we're kind of a neat size. We're big enough to have some clout and some buying power, especially with our partners like LMC, where we have membership that gets us advantages, allowing us to compete with the big boys out there. Mm-hmm. But we're small enough that, you know, Sean, I can call. I can call Bill Hayward on the phone right now and say, hey, Bill, I've got an idea that I want to run by you and see what you think about it. And that makes for a really nice climate for business because we're not so big that we can't change or move or, or adapt. And yet we're big enough to not get squished by the big boys. Yeah, that's a pretty nice sweet spot. So, I mean, who are your primary customers then? We have a mix of multifamily, a commercial. We do single family residential, both production as well as custom. Uh, many of our locations have specialties. Some are more inclined toward the custom. Others are more towards the production builders. But as a company, we have a broad mix of uh, virtually all segments of construction. Okay. 
So now you and I talked a little bit before this, and you mentioned that you are not immune to the labor challenges that your builder customers are facing, right? You're you're just as constrained as they may be uh, from the standpoint of trying to find good people to fill the jobs that you have to get the work out to meet the demand that that you're facing out there. Can you share some of the ways in which then you're leveraging sort of your manufacturing capacity and your computer-aided design to sort of provide more efficient, you know, more cost-effective solutions uh, to your single-family builders to sort of leverage the labor, at least, that you do have to uh, make up for the labor they don't have? Sure, sure. I'll, I'll try to answer that specific to single family because there are different needs and uh, challenges in the industry between multifamily and high density podium style construction versus single family. But we have faced, just like I'm sure everyone, every other plant in the nation, the challenges of, of turnover and staffing. We're blessed as a company to work with some really fine people. We have employees that have been with us for many, many years. These employees are very knowledgeable about our industry. And automation and tools and systems can solve problems for our customers. But what we really have found is that it's, it's the integrity and the knowledge and experience of our people that makes the difference. And we have designers out there that are more intimate with a project than the developer or the builder that's actually building them. They're working through our systems, through our design software solving problems way in front of the actual assembly or construction. So they're working with the engineers, they're working with the architects and solving all kinds of problems. So let me give you a couple examples of those. When we're doing floor designs, oftentimes if a framer is out there just rolling floor joists, they're going to put a joist right where the drop for the toilet's going to go because they're not paying attention to plumbing plans. Or they end up with a joist right in the middle of a bathtub where they want to have an exhaust fan centered in the bathroom. Those kind of things are just little things that our designers are looking for as they're designing a floor system or they're designing roof trusses that uh, can make a huge difference in the project. So they're doing this all on a desk and a computer and coordinating then with the engineer of record or the architect or builder and making sure that once that project rolls, it's going smoothly. So a lot of those projects aren't being just bumped into by chance or after after construction. So what I hear you saying is that because you guys are involved on that front end side of things of, you know, how does the building actually laid out? You're paying attention to conflicts with all the MEP stuff, right? That the the framer in the field isn't necessarily thinking about as they're laying the, the building out. Absolutely. And then we also take the, the systems and the tools and, and things that we have available, and we try to apply that to problems that we'll see in the field. So an example of that might be, um, you may be familiar on a gable end, uh, oftentimes we'll drop the top cord. Uh, to allow for outlookers to support the fascia. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's something that's a common situation on many projects. And what we found is that in observing the framers out in the field, they're up there 14 feet in the way trying to put blocking on top of this drop top cord and putting their outlookers in. So we got to thinking, gosh, you know, if we could do that on our tables, that would be a whole lot safer and more efficient. And so our designers now, they, they'll calculate uh, through the system where the joints and the roof sheeting will go, and they'll actually design a truss with either a two-by-two or a two-by-four block on top of the top cord, leaving voids for the outlookers so that when the framer's rolling the trusses, all they have to do is drop the outlookers in. They're not having to handle all these loose pieces, again, way up there in the the air where it takes time and it's dangerous. There's opportunity for falls and injury, those kind of things. So that's been our approach to looking at 
what are the tools and systems we have available that are going to make our builders more efficient out in the field? Now, you guys have done a lot with with floor systems as well. Can you talk a little bit about sort of what what you do there, what you've developed? Sure. So our approach to a floor would be almost identical to roof trusses in that we look at the foundation and we start working our way up and we just consider the floor is a, f- a flat assembly in that vertical system. And so we will redraw and design as necessary the entire floor system and our CNC equipment is cutting every piece, labeling intersection marks. We call it fast floor here at Hayward. And uh, it's, it's available to our customers. Frankly, it's more popular on high density and multifamily projects than it is on single family for several reasons. But uh, it's available for all of our customers and it's a way for them to accelerate their construction schedule because we can have the entire floor pre-cut. It's assembled by zone and they, they run their rims and beams. Everything's marked and labeled. Then they just drop all the joists in between those voids. There's no cutting required or taking place. Again, we don't have framers up in the air with skill saws and tools doing things that can be dangerous, much more dangerous than us doing it with automated equipment. Well, that's what, I mean, that's the point of all of this, right? The the point of the roof truss is to eliminate that job site labor, you know, hand cutting rafters and, you know, assembling them in the field. Your floor system is is a logical iteration of that as well. And, you know, in some markets, wall panels do the same thing. So let's let's talk a little bit about your manufacturing facility itself. I mean, you're, again, doing all this work in the manufacturing facility to eliminate work out on the job site. Certainly part of that conversation, particularly as we are entering into a period where obviously the demand is outstripping our capacity to produce components, you know, every component manufacturer is faced with this sort of challenge of like, um, how do you balance your labor with the automation and whatnot. And certainly there are lots of lean concepts out there. I'm sort of curious, like for you and Hayward Lumber, how do you look at striking that balance between, uh, you know, getting the latest and greatest automation equipment and adopting lean concepts to make your, your workforce more efficient? What do you do? Like, what's your, your view on ROI for the, for equipment and that kind of thing? Sure. Sure. Uh, that analysis, um, we believe, takes a really sober review of your operation in that automation can be very sexy. It can be fun to to buy this new equipment. It, it, it's really cool in what it does, and uh, it solves a lot of problems. It can be justified because of our staffing challenges, right? It's really easy to say, gosh, we could eliminate two or three positions. That's two or three exposures or liabilities we don't have. But what our approach has been is to focus down and just do laser surgery within our plant. So we're firm believers in automation. We have upgraded portions of our plant where we felt there was a true bottleneck or a challenge. An example of that would be uh, we're firm believers in the, the, the wizard system of auto setup. And uh, not all of our jigs have that, but we have enough of those that the complicated setups are run through those jigs. And the reason we did that is because the experience the number of years of experience of our team has gone down significantly as our older builders have retired and the new builders coming on don't have that level of experience. So we had a challenge there is that setup became a bottleneck for us. So we solved that problem. So as we move through the plant, in our uh, another example would be um, in our uh, engineer division with iJoyce, uh, cutting and moving and handling iJoyce and, and 
uh, engineered wood products is very problematic. They're heavy, they're long, they're flexible in some cases. So we have CNC equipment. Uh, we use uh, Hundiger equipment to process all of those products. We use CNC equipment to handle that product so that uh, we're not putting our workers in danger of injury and or handling equipment, in, uh, handling product in an inefficient way. So automation is fantastic. The broad brush of just fully automating a plant is just incredibly attractive. Our biggest hesitation is it's very expensive and it's hard to resist because money is readily available these days and it's easy to spend a lot of money on our plant. But those of us who've been in the industry long enough know that as good as it is today and has been for many, many years, we're a cyclical industry. And what we don't want to find ourselves is in a position of having a uh, high capacity, a high overhead plant that's not scalable. Yeah. So we're trying to use laser surgery as opposed to just a broad brush to bring automation and uh, those philosophies into our plant. We're firm believers in lean manufacturing and lean concepts because even with automation, if you're running an inefficient plant manually, you're not going to run an efficient automated plant because it still requires people and processes that are, are defined and continuously improving. Well, you know, speaking of what you're talking about of like, these are good years. Uh, they might not always be here. Even that said, 2021 it was a very good year from a production and demand standpoint for component manufacturers, but it was still pretty tough because of those, all the supply chain constraints. Everything seems to indicate that 2022 is going to be much of the same. Now, you're, you're a member of SBCA. As you mentioned, you're a member of LMC. I, I guess for those who aren't familiar with LMC, it's a, it's a forest products and building material buying group owned by independent lumber and building material dealers. And there's like, I don't know, 1,600 member locations in the U.S. that are part of LMC. So uh, those two groups uh, have a significant membership. I'm curious for you, who's a member of both of them, I mean, how do partners like that help you navigate sort of these, those challenges, even in the good times, and, and also help prepare you for the times when maybe it won't be so good? Sure. I'll start with LMC. Uh, LMC is a critical part of our operation. We lean on them heavily for their, their buying power and expertise, their market information. They're a $19 billion purchasing force out there that we as a smaller company wouldn't have and they were able to get us through last year uh, through those narrow periods to where we met every customer expectation you know, last year. It was not easy. We had challenges, but we were able to meet the needs of our customers on time as promised, which is our stock in trade, is that we do what we say. So LMC has been mm -hmm. great on giving us advice and information, and then ultimately their buying power and finesse has enabled us to meet our customer needs. Uh, the SBCA has been great because we are a regional company on the coast of California, and it's easy to become just self-absorbed and, and content in our own little bubble, but the world out there is moving and changing, and we rely on SBCA to get us out of our bubble and to keep us in tune and in touch with what the world is doing. So the information, the contacts are critical for us to be at the forefront of what our industry is doing. Well, Rudy, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. It's a lot of fun chatting with you. We, we all love this business, and uh, I learned a lot from the others you talk to, and hopefully we can continue learning from each other every day and never resting. Absolutely. Every single day. 
Well, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, please give this podcast a favorable rating and share it with others. Also, consider subscribing to SPCA's Component Connection podcast on whatever platform you use most. That way, you'll immediately know when we publish our next podcast. I'd like to thank LMC for connecting Rudy and I for this podcast. We'll be talking with other SBCA LMC members in future podcasts. This has been a Component Connection podcast brought to you by SBCA. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover in a future episode, send it to podcast at sbcacomponents.com.